too tired to raise them probably. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I just was like, man, am I actually getting refreshed? Because I still have children, you know, which is really frustrating at times. But uh, I'm, I'm sort of hitting this year in spite of the crazy week we've had, just so filled with energy and enthusiasm for what God wants to do. And also I really like, I just love that New Year's is a chance to make Things like New Year's resolutions. Like, you know how, like, there's almost like an anti-resolution thing at the moment, where it's like, you know, oh, buy a humbug, you know? There's a classic Kiwi kind of like, no, you won't do it anyway, you know? No, yeah, everyone signs up for the gym and then no one goes three weeks later. And I'm like, oh, whatever, man. What, we never try then, right? That like, we never, ever try to make a fresh start or to, do, to commit to new things. What a dumb worldview to have. So I'm all over the New Year's resolutions. I'm like, it's great, man. Yeah, I want to... You know, at the beginning of every year, I'm like, I want to read the Bible more, right? And I've been making that sort of resolution for years now. Uh, and, you know, do I stick at it all through the year? No. But I tell you what, every year I'm getting better. And in fact, last year was my best yet for Bible in a year. For the first time ever, I did the whole year. So I was like, yeah, super, super pastor finally, you know? Hypocrite in transition, just one click in the right direction. That's good, you know. And so this year again, I'm like, I'm going to read the Bible again. So my point is this. Um, let's, let's do those sort of things as we start. We're going to start the year and we're going to make some, we're going to some dreams and some new goals about what we want to do. And God wants to do that in you as well. He loves you. He's transforming you from glory to glory. And so it's a good thing to have some intentionality around that, uh, from spiritual things to mental things to physical things to dietary things, whatever it may be. Yeah, make some New Year's resolutions. And if you're falling off the wagon already, it's all right. Get back on the wagon. Oh, gee. Uh, so I'm all over that. Like, it's all good. Let's, uh, but uh, it's interesting, again, over summer times, how it is a time of reflection. Uh, and to take a step back, again, out of the normal routine, to just reflect on life. And um, sometimes that can be sobering. And sometimes we can have existential crises in these times where it's like, is my life even, does it matter? Is all that I'm doing, does it count for anything? Like, there's this longing for significance that we all have. And sometimes it's like, is this all there is to life? Because there's so much struggle, and there's so much battle, and there's so much discouragement, and we live in a fallen world where punks steal church's sound gear and all that sort of stuff, right? And I know some of you guys have had a hard summer with health things or with uh, family things or whatever, and... Uh, and again, he's our refuge. We can turn to him. But here's the realization I have every single year. Because pastors aren't immune to it. Because you think, you know, we've got a whole bunch of ex-pastors in the room, actually. And it's like, we, it's not like pastors can go, you know, over summer go, oh, my life really counts for something because I'm a pastor. Now, I deal with the same, like, man, I'm, like, am I living? Does it, does it count what I'm doing and all that? So I've struggled with all of that stuff. Um, but here's... Every year, I always boil back down to this. It's like, but he's worth it. And here's the goal I'd love us all to have as a church as we start the year. The goal is simply this, that as we go into this year, that we would grow and mature as a disciple of Jesus. That's the goal I'm shooting for. That's the goal I want for us, that we will grow and mature in our discipleship and our relationship with Jesus that would become more like him this year. And that, friends, is worth pursuing. It's like so many other things promise to give us significance and meaning if we finally get there, and when you do, you discover it doesn't. 
I mean, we've, many of us have probably gone through this. If I, just, if I get that promotion, then I'll feel like somebody. If I'm finally the principal of a, high, of a school, then I'll feel like I'm somebody. Or if I finally date that girl, then I'll feel like I'm somebody. And all of those things are great, but they still don't satisfy, God bless you, Jen, the way that Jesus does. Jesus is the only one that truly satisfies. And if we pursue, and all of those things are good, but they have to find their right place. And so our world's in turmoil because Jesus isn't on the throne of people's lives. I was watching a Netflix documentary the other night about these gamers. You know, there's like professional computer gamers now where they pack out stadiums, Madison Square Garden, where all the nerds get together and watch the other nerds play computer games and to see who's going to win, and like it's big money. So I was watching this Netflix documentary about uh, these guys the other night. Um, Jen was watching something else, (laughs) no thanks. Uh, And it's classic. Like in this documentary, the most famous gamer there is says, if I don't have this, I am nobody. And so like he won, their team won the championship of whatever nerd thing he was doing, and it's like, cool, but do you think he's happy? It's like, no, because it's, like he, it's so fragile. He's got to hang on to that all the time, and his fans expect this of him, and there's only one way to go when you're at the top. And so you could see the fragility in his worldview, even though millions of kids think that he's their hero and he's got it made. In this documentary, word for word, he's like, if I don't have this, I'm nothing. And I felt like screaming at the TV saying, that is not true. You are somebody in the eyes of Jesus. You are so unbelievably loved. You're so unbelievably precious. You matter to him. And when you started walking in there, all the other things find their place. It's like, oh, I can enjoy my gaming or enjoy being a principal or enjoy this promotion or enjoy being married to the best woman in the room or whatever it may be. Thank you. World, world, world. World, oh man, classic, eh? <laughs> Thought that was a win. Um, <laughs> growing my own mature as a husband as well. But that, th- th- this is it, guys. And so I want to, that's what I want to speak to this morning is like, what does that look like? And uh, sorry for again, there's no slides and all that because my computer died yesterday. Talk about Job, right? It's like, oh man, it's just going through it all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Here's Colossians 1 28 verse 29 it says here's the one we proclaim Jesus is admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me this was Paul's dream to present people mature to Jesus and that's what I long for as the pastor of this church is that we would mature in Jesus. And so that's what we're going to pursue. The danger in church is that we can get addicted to the next big thing that's coming up. And last year was exciting. It was really cool. Like this time last year, this didn't exist, you know. And so we had a launch team of like, you know, um, legends who were like, yeah, we're up for it to help you guys get going and absolute heroes. Uh, And then we started thinking, and it's like this buzz of seeing this thing get life and get momentum and people join and, uh, and testimonies and what God was doing. It's like, wow, this is incredible. And then it's like you start this year and it's like, uh. and it's like, God's like, no, it's not about the next big high because that's dangerous. And then what happens is there's this pressure on pastors and churches to be entertaining every week to have the next big high. 
And so it's like, no, we've got to be careful we don't get kind of like, now I'm looking, there's things to look forward to like camp and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that, but we're not going to become addicted to the next big thing that's going to happen. Again, the goal for us is maturity in Jesus. And it's not as sexy as the big thing, you know, we're going to do this. It's like, but it's what really matters. Because otherwise we produce a bunch of Christian consumers that just want some buzz all the time. And actually, I'm not interested in that, and Paul wasn't either. He wants to present people mature in Christ, who can self-feed, who have a deep walk with Jesus, and where that's the thing they're longing for more and more, that the private world with Jesus becomes a place of life and nourishment for all of us, and it becomes the place where we're satisfied, our tūranga waiwai, the place of identity, it becomes the place where we know we're loved, it becomes the source of all that is precious to us, and then from that solid rock we can then be teachers and be mothers and be business people and, be all of, and, and build the kingdom through all the different influences that God wants to give us. Simon Ponsonby, who's an outstanding British uh, Bible teacher, said this. He says, on, uh, this hand, on the other hand, he's talking about this, I see a church gripped by consumerism that distracts the saints from the main and the plane of gospel ministry and which turns divine worship into a circus for the pursuit of ever more eccentric and esoteric experiences. We need to devote ourselves to the hard work of prevailing intercessory prayer, deep study and application of the scriptures, the imitation of Christ, to sharing our great story, to ministering to the poor, to keeping in step with the Spirit and taking up the cross. That's the core business of the church. It's the main and the plain. And so, guys, this year it's the main and the plain. And we are going to be a church in formation till the day he returns or we die. That's it. Like, that's the big job. We've planted. Now the job of Bay Vineyard, we're church in formation until he returns. So we're going to just do the main and the plain. Now, we've decided, uh, defined a disciple as being the person who is growing and up, in and out, so in, in your relationship with God and your love for the community around you and outward into a hurting and broken world where your life counts for something, where you're getting alongside the lonely at your work, where you're giving money to the poor and to those that are hurting, where you're giving your time to organisations that are making a difference, well, vision, all of that stuff, uh, up, in and out. That's the areas of, that we want to be growing in. But it all comes from the up. It all is all birthed out of that relationship with him. And so as we begin this year, there's two particular things I really feel like God wants to increase in us and see dialed up, and that's that we would be a people who love the word and love the Holy Spirit. So those are the two things I want to zero in on this morning in terms of what this looks like, because there's a million, there's, there's a whole Bible full of stuff in terms of what it look, looks like to follow Jesus. Word and spirit. Those are particularly the two things I want us to zero in on. My mother used to say, uh, which she probably stole from someone else because I think I've heard it other places, but she would say, all word you dry up, all Holy Spirit you blow up, Holy Spirit and word you grow up. So it's a good combination. It's dynamite. All word you dry up, all Holy Spirit you blow up. I've seen that a few times as well. Holy Spirit and word you grow up. And so let's look at this, uh, what this looks like. Let's first start by looking at what it means to be people of the word. Uh, as we start this year, I've just got this desire and this burning sense of like, let's once more commit to loving the Word of God and to going up a click from whatever that looked like last year. So like, I don't know what you sustained last year. Some of us, the reality is it's a real struggle, and we're going to pray for some people today where it's just been a struggle for a long time. But Jesus said there's these uh, thieves that come to steal the Word. And so... Um, 
So, so I know there's no condemnation in this church, folks. Like there's no like no one's going to beat you up. And like if you haven't opened your Bible and had some sort of discipline around that for a while. You're in the perfect church. Like, seriously, that's awesome. We're, we're hypocrites in transition, but I tell you what, we are gonna, I'm gonna bang on about this because I've seen the power of the Word of God in my life, just the way it's changed me. Uh, and I see a church worldwide that's struggling around this. There's a massive battle on around uh, reading the Word of God. Um, a lot of sociologists reckon that uh, this generation is the most distracted generation to live of all the stuff that's there vying for our attention. It's the Word of God that we want to get into. So I want to encourage us to make a commitment, even this morning, to, to this, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to be a person of the Word. I'm going to read it. And so uh, some of us are doing the Bible in a year, B-I-O-Y. You can download. And what's cool about that is if people, if more and more people do that, then there's more and more conversations going on about what we're reading together. So we journey as community through that. So that's cool. But you can do anything. And seriously, um, some of us are like, what? this is me. I'm, I get an idea and then I'm like 110%. So I'm like, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read the Bible this month, the whole thing. You know, and it's like, and then I wonder why I struggle and then I feel like a failure again. And so I've learned that it's sometimes better just to go up a click rather than like try and go up like 7,000 clicks. And so genuinely... If you're not reading your Bible regularly, just one verse a day or even just sometime during the week that you would just commit to reading for 20 minutes just through the, the Bible, that would be awesome. Um, there's such a battle around the Word of God. And um, liberal Christians are trying to reinterpret the Bible in light of our culture. I'll say that again. Liberals will reinterpret the Bible in light of cultural pressure. Charismatics often just don't read it. This, right, so it's like you know, charismatic, like you know, little liberals or you know, twisting the Bible. So, well, yeah, sweet, but charismatics, mate, half us, most of us aren't reading it. So let's let's get back on the wagon and say we're going to be people of the book. We're going to love the Word of God. Now, there's all sorts in the Bible about why this is important. And the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, is Psalm 119, and it's this massive celebration of the Word of God. In fact, if you want to get it back on the wagon and fall in love with the Bible again, just work your way slowly through Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is stunningly crafted. It's, uh, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and every stanza in Psalm 119 begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and every line starts with that letter. It is a work of genius when it comes to the author's celebration of the Word of God. And so he says this, and I'm just going to read the snippets from it, but from just verses 9 to 16 from Psalm 119. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, it is hard to stay clean when you live in a sewer. It's just a really, it's like all of us struggle. The more I hang out with folks, the more I'm relieved to know I'm not the only one. Every single person sitting in this church has struggles and battles with temptation and sin. Every single one. Hallelujah. What a great relief, right? We need to say that every Sunday, right? Oh, it's not just you. Every one of us struggle. But how do young people, like especially, I mean, phew, my dad keeps saying to me, 
I'm glad I didn't grow up in the age you grew up because <laughs> of all the rubbish you've got to try and say no to. And I'm looking at my boys going, oh, no. <laughs> I feel like I had, at least I only got my cell phone when I was 18. You know, it's like these guys, are, it's like, whoa. How do our young people stay on the path of purity according to the psalmist by living according to his words? He hides this word in his heart that I might not sin against you. And I tell you what, when you feed your soul, the Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. And so when your soul is malnourished, then it's like you look to other things to feed it. But when you are reading the word of God, it feeds your soul and those things lose their attractiveness. Does it happen overnight? No, as Rachel Hunter famously said, it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It will happen. It will happen as you continue to commit yourselves to reading the word of God. Praise be to you, verse 12. Lord, teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. The Bible is a rich, it's a treasure. It's our ultimate tongue. It's so, so precious. You know, when the queen, at her coronation, it's like, what do you give the queen? You know, it's like she's literally got everything. And the... Uh, at the Queen's coronation, the Scottish Presbyterian Church presented the Queen the Bible and said, this is the most, man, an old Scottish Presbyterian, amen, the most precious thing we can give you, Your Majesty, the most precious thing we can give you, Your Majesty, and they presented her with the Bible. It is so incredibly precious. Uh, there was this guy, this Vietnamese Christian called Hien, Hien Pham, and he was a translator for um, Christian leaders that were ministering in Vietnam. And uh, the Khmer, um, the the was it the Khmer Rouge? What do you, how do you say it? The Khmer, the Khmer Rouge um, obviously started their thing in Cambodia and then moved uh, and, and went to Vietnam and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so he got imprisoned for being an intellectual because he wore glasses and because of his connections with the Christians. And he found himself in this, re, what they called a reprogramming um, camp, accused of helping the Americans. And, um, and he went through hell and for years. Uh, and they had what they call this daily mental reprogramming that went on where communist truths were uh, declared. And for several years, just in this space. And he's having to say all this stuff. And they're trying to just, you know, brainwash him effectively. And years into it, he just he hits the wall. And in terms of his faith with God, and he's like, like maybe this whole thing was just a whole the big thing. And so he makes this declaration, I'm not going to pray or think about God anymore. Um, the next day he gets given this job of cleaning the, the latrines, um, which are just like petrol cans where the soldiers do all their filth. And so he has to empty these out. And as he's emptying out the latrines, he uh, sees some paper and it has some writing on it. And so he scrapes off the stuff um, and sticks it in his pocket stealthily. And later that evening, gets it out and washes it off. And he reads these words. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What shall separate us from the love of God, as Jim was saying during communion? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. For in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor anything in creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord the day after. Isn't God amazing? And so he gets this, and it's in English. He can read English. The Vietnamese can't. They're just using it to wipe their bottoms. And so he, uh, on, every day, cleans out the retreats, and slowly a Bible begins to form, and it becomes this, it becomes this precious thing for him that sustains him. The day after he said, that's it, I'm done, God steps in and starts to, and it's the word of God that sustained him during that time. And friends, life can get tricky, you know, um, and it's interesting, you know, like even this week for, for me, feeling personally really gutted, not because of the gear, but because of my dumb decisions last year around it. So I really was gutted about my choices and where I dropped the ball and my responsibility as a leader here and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, when the pump goes on, where do we go? And it's like if we just get into these habits now of in the words, in season and out of season, when it's going sweet or when it's not, then during those really tough times, we get sustained. In verse 15 uh, of that same psalm, I meditate on your precepts, I consider your ways. God's heart has always that, that we would get his word and that we would just love it and that would meditate on it. At the very beginning of the story of the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses instructs the Israelites, write these words on your heart, teach it to your children, talk of it when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you wake up, bind them on your hand and your forehead and your house doorpost and your gatepost. The word of God was to frame their whole lives. It was to be just this, the key text. And Verse 16, I delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. The reality is that a neglecting of God's word results in a neglecting of God's ways. And we have a church, and this has been me and my Christian life for far too many years, where I neglected his word daily. Just, I just wasn't in the habit of, of reading his word. But I want to say, friends, it's, it's, let's not be a church that neglects his word. We're not gonna, and, and guys, it's not enough to have one meal a, one meal a week. We're going to open his word on Sundays. Fine, but let's, let's mature in just feeding ourselves and, and that. And, you know, um, one of the greatest examples of the power of the Word of God, as far as I'm concerned, in recent history is Bruce Ratimer, a legend. That, not here today, which is probably good, so it means I can talk about him. But I just love the story. I love the Andre bowls on up, and he's kind of met Jesus, and he's all shining with the love of God, and Bruce doesn't even recognize the guy, and it's like, so he, and Bruce is at the bottom of his rope, you know, and it's like, but his sister had just given him a Bible. Bruce couldn't read. Gets given this Bible, and it's like, well, what do I do with it? And then Andre's like, bro, you got a Bible? So just as it happens, I do. I've got one here. My sister just gave it. They open the word of God, and immediately... God begins speaking to Bruce. Bruce teaches himself to read by reading the Bible. Come on. Like, seriously? I mean, talk about a conviction sandwich. It's like some of us, we can read sweet as. Hard yakka for Bruce. Hard yakka. And he just worked it and worked it and worked it. And then it's like Bruce Radimer turns up to Bay Vineyard Church 
And I'm like, I think he's been a Christian for 20 years because he's so filled with the love of God and he's so mature in his faith, but he's never been to a church apart from Bay Vineyard. And so he'd been a Christian just in the Word of God for like a year and a bit. And then the Lord starts speaking to him, you've got to come to church. You've got to get in fellowship, which is what Jesus will say because he loves his bride and this is a place where we grow. And so Bruce wanders along here, sees our signs. He used to go to Napier Boys, so he's got some interesting memories from here. But he says, but this is what God says to Bruce all the time, you've got to saddle up. Love it. So he sat out there and God's like, you've got to saddle up. So he's freaking out and he saddles up though and he walks through the doors and now he's one of the key crew in our family setting the tone, setting the example for what a Christian does, which is to be in the Word of God and let it soak and shape them and transform them, change their worldview, change their habits, heal their brokenness. We get into the Word of God. And so I don't know what it looks like for you, but I want to encourage you, let's be people of the Word this year where we love the Word of God. Now, for some of you, honestly, I think some of us need to go to Bible college and study. Some, you know, there's different things here, but you know, one of Luke Buxton's one of my heroes on lots of levels. He you know, obviously gave his whole life to move up here and all the challenges of relocating his family and stuff. But before he moved up here, Bruce, uh, <laughs> Luke made uh, some, some tough decisions because like, he just loved the Word of God so much. So he took a gap year. Charlotte was the breadwinner. And he just studied the Word of God full-time at Bible college and just got his, just fed himself at another level because I am very concerned about this idea that you just need the Bible and the Holy Spirit. I've seen a lot of people get into all sorts of crazy theology. No, it's the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and the community of saints and the great, and the great story of the church as people have wrestled with this and, re, and the early church and the councils and all of the church history helps us have an orthodox understanding of who God is and what it means to be his followers. Now, do you have to go to Bible college? No. Is the Holy Spirit and the Bible enough for most of us? Yes, it's awesome the way they work together. But if you want to start getting into leadership, then you've got to do some serious study. Like I'm just, uh, I'll finish with this. Sorry, big rant, rant but you know. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth that'll help you read the Bible better again. So, and this is what they say here. Every reader is an interpreter. That is, that is, most of us assume as we read that we also understand what we read. We also tend to think that our understanding is the same thing as the Holy Spirit's or the author's intent. However, we invariably bring to the text all that we are with our experiences, culture, and prior understanding of words and ideas. And sometimes what we bring to the text unintentionally, to be sure, leads us astray or else causes us to read all kinds of foreign ideas into the text. We're reading something 2,000 plus years old, written in a different culture, different context, and different languages. And so the, even in, as you interpret the Bible, you're making decisions about how to communicate a certain word or a certain concept in another language. The Bible wasn't written in English, and it wasn't written in this day and age. And so constantly we have to be going, what's, what's really going on here? As we're working through the Sermon on the Mount last year, it's like there's all sorts of things that, that you read in the text, and you're like, did Jesus really say that, you know, ooh, that? And it's like, well, no, the reason that, that spins us out is because if you just read it straight, then you're really, you're, you're, at certain points in the Sermon on the Mount, you can come to the opposite conclusion to what Jesus is trying to communicate. 
terms of you know hell and righteousness and all that sort of stuff. It's crazy. But so everyone's like really intimidated now. Oh no, you know like why why bother? Just anything will change your life. So I'd love us to pray uh, this morning for some of us that we struggle to read the Bible. Like it's just disproportionately hard work. It's like this fog when we try and read it. It's like we get dyslexic or there's a stupor or it's like, I want to pray when we finish the sermon for those of us in that space that there'll be a breakthrough this morning and that things will be lifted to enable you to engage with the word of God. There is a huge battle on for you reading the Bible. We all know it. It's the toughest book to read. It's such a battle. I'm not a big super spirit sort of guy, but I know there's a battle when it comes to reading the Bible. Oh, man. Any other book, sweet as. Read the Bible, hard yakka. Let's pray this morning that, that we get filled with a fresh sense of God's spirit to be empowered, to be people of his word. Let's go deeper in the things of God when it comes to his word. All right. Ooh. Secondly, uh, to be people of his spirit, to be people of his Holy Spirit. I, I'm, very, I'm going to be very interest, interested to see what Jesus does with us this year. I think he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us in a fresh way. And I think there's been gifts that have been given to the church that have laid dormant, and he wants to reawaken them. Gifts of tongues and prophecy and faith and healing and all of that stuff. There's something that God wants to restore. But again, we don't hype him up. He comes down. So I'm not going to be putting on white pointy shoes and a suit and stuff all of a sudden. And No, we are the body of Christ and we're going to learn together to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to practice in here because this is where we act least like Christians. And where we act most like Christians is what we do tomorrow. That's when we follow Jesus. That's when it matters. And, and there is a power that God wants to release, I think, amongst us in a new way that's very exciting. It makes following him very adventurous because we start doing the things that Jesus himself did. He had words of knowledge for people, randoms, who would bowl on up and he'd be like, you know, I love there's so many epic moments of Jesus, but you just, and, I, and God wants to do this through us. He really does. Uh, but I love it like when he meets the woman at the well. I just love it because it's like, he, if it was me, like, again, it's probably why he's got a lot, got to mature, right? That's our big goal. But it's just like, as soon as you get a word that someone's had like five partners and the one they're with is not their partner, oh, all right, here we go, you know, ooh, I'm going to really give them what ho because God knows, you know, and he's not happy, you know? And it's like, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. And he's like, you know, do you want to? And he's so gracious and kind and gentle in how he does it. Do you want to go get, you know, your partner? Oh no, you know. And then, and it's like, I'm not, you know. She she, she says, you know, it's, I'm not, not kind of a kosher marriage thing. It's like, and he's in, in the Bible. Jesus says this: You're right. You're right. The one you're with isn't your husband, and you've had five others. You're right. And it's like, oh, <laughs> what a lovely, gracious way. And then she's like, I perceive you're a prophet. You're right. You're right. And it's like, you know, this, you're trying to be, find satisfaction. And, and, but I, I know a stream of water that will always satisfy you. And the first evangelist in the church is a broken woman from Samaria who goes back into her village and, and points to Jesus. The first evangelist noted in the Bible is a broken woman who goes back to her village and says, you've got to listen to this guy. He's told me things. 
And it's like that's, God wants to do that through us today. He wants to use us to have words of knowledge for one another. He wants to use us to pray. I want us to be people of his spirit. Praying in tongues. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. It's a great gift that God wants to pour out upon you. And if you've received it in the past, then he wants to reawaken it. And just to get us in that space again. Now you think, oh no, you know, it's like word and spirit. It's word and spirit. It's both. And these things cause us to grow. And so I don't want to be resistant to what God wants. I want everything. But know this, he's safe. He will take us on a journey. And you can trust me, hopefully by now, that we're going to lean into the stuff this year, but we're going to do it in a way that's a journey. I have no time for super Christians trying to show off to other people. I have no time for it. That is not encouraging. It is not building up. It doesn't help us get to maturity. It makes us feel little and small like we're not a very good Christian. And I'm tired of feeling like that personally. And I don't want that ever happening in our church. If you feel like that, you talk to me and I'll have a quiet word to whoever's made you feel like that. We're going to let God do what he wants to do and bringing us to maturity. And you, listen, you are not disqualified from being used by God because of your brokenness. The biggest lie running through most of our heads right now is that that stuff's for super Christians. It is not. It's for ordinary, weak, broken people. In fact, if anything, Jesus tries to drive this home by saying, I put my treasure in jars of clay. It's not in strength that we see the power of God. It's in weakness and in vulnerability. And so we need to learn to get more vulnerable and more weak, and we will see more of the power of God. The greatest power that has ever taken place was when God got most vulnerable and weak on that glorious cross on Calvary. That is the weakest place. But the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. It's like that was what Paul said, because on that place of weakness, the power of God was released. And so he wants to use you, ordinary, weak people. That's especially who he wants to use. He wants to use you to be uh, his power. Um, oh, that was a rant that wasn't planned. Mark 1, I love this. Again, look at Jesus. He says this, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, make me clean and Jesus was indignant and he reached out his hand and touched him and I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I, every time you look at Jesus ministering, it's so beautiful. This leper comes up to him and it's like, and it's interesting because the, the Bible says that Jesus was indignant. Why do you think he was indignant? Because Jesus, here's why. Jesus sees this man who's a social outcast, bits of his body are falling off. He's completely it's just a shambles, this poor guy's life. And, and he comes up to him and says, if you're willing. He's like, do you know who I am? Of course I'm willing. I want to restore. I want to heal. I want to, bring you, I want to bring you back into community. I want to see your life restored. Of course I'm willing. Put out your hand. And he's healed. That's who he is. And so hear me, the power of God, we're not going to get all like on this massive thing, we've got to find the power of God, no, we're going to let God minister to us because his power reveals his love and mercy. Like every time you see Jesus do anything stunning like that in the early church and all of that, it's, it's not the goal, that's not the goal. The goal is him, always him. And those things simply point to him, his, God, his, his mercy and his love and his goodness and his kindness. But Let's make a New Year's resolution that we're going to be open to the things of the Holy Spirit this year. That we're going to be, and we're going to press into that. Now, I know some of us are excited about that. Kia ora, awesome. I'm actually more pumped about the people that aren't. 
That's who I'm preaching to. I know I've got some of the choir here. Awesome. I'm not preaching to the choir. You guys are living it great. Let's go up a gear. Awesome. But I'm preaching to those that haven't been living this, who's never given a prophetic word before, who's never prayed a dangerous prayer. God wants to use you this year. That's what I'm excited about. So we're going to take a journey this year, and it's not going to happen overnight, but we're going to learn to hear from God for others. We're going to learn to pray for one another and make that normal. So not because this is where we do it, so that when opportunities arise, that we can be ready to hear the word of God, to be naturally supernatural. So we're not weird, we talk normal. Mate, could be wrong, but I follow Jesus and I wonder whether he wants to say blah, blah, blah. You know, just naturally supernatural, praying prayers, doing the stuff. My wife's kicking my butt on all of this stuff. She's so courageous and has got so many stories. I've got very few, but uh, I'm up for it. Lord, do it. Um, I come into land with this. I, and David Nelson, who's an awesome part of our crew, um, he, uh, man, he got baptised last year. Um, some of you guys will know him. He's got the, most, the best mullet in our church. Just awesome. Um, and so he, but he uh, fell off like a seven metre wall, uh, I think on Sunday it was, and um, he's a hypocrite in transition and he's working through some stuff, so there may have been a few things that didn't help his balance on the wall, um, but he, um, he, but he, but real bad, broke both ankles, shoulder, um, had to have a lot of stitches in his head and stuff, so big, you know, um, so uh, I went and visited him uh, a couple times this week, and um, and I walk in. He didn't know I was coming, so I walk into the, his room, and I see David reading the Bible, just sitting there reading the Bible. Now, if I texted him to warn I was coming, I'd have been like, oh, I am impressed, but bro, you know, he had no idea I was coming. Walk in there, and he's. And he's taken seriously because he's got some good people discipling him, like Andre and Bruce and others, who are like, you've got to get in the Word of God, bro. Even if you're not great at reading, you get into it. So he started at the New Testament, and he's up to Luke. And he's just working his way through the New Testament. And so I was like, oh, man, I'm not worried about David's trajectory. There'll be some ups and downs and some blips on the road. There is for every one of us. But he's in the Word of God. And when I'd been out surfing earlier that day, I felt like God had given me a word for him. Um, and so I sat down with him and we had a little chat. And then I was like, bro, you know, and I shared this word for him. And you could just feel the presence of God in the room. And I could see I was encouraged. And, um, and then when I was preparing this, I was like, yes, good timing, Jesus. Thank you. I needed an illustration. And so that's good. And, um, but the main thing is this is the kingdom of God just breaking in. His goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his restoring, his healing, his grace, his encouragement, and it was this beautiful little snapshot of what I think God wants us to be like this year, people of the Word and people of the Spirit. We were just walking in step with the Holy Spirit every day and just allowing, first and foremost, just our souls to be nourished by the Spirit, by the streams of living water, and we're eating the Word of God and we're just feeding our souls and building ourselves up in Him so that we have a greater capacity to love one another, and to love a hurting and broken world, but that we move beyond trying to be good Christian social workers to good Christian kingdom builders, where through the power of God we see people set free and healed, and we just see the exciting, advancing edge of his kingdom here in the bay. He wants to use ordinary, weak, broken, normal Christians like you and me to do that work he always has. Why? Because when people see our good works, they will praise our Father in heaven because if he can use people like him, then there must be a God. 
That's the way it rolls, because we're ordinary, broken, weak vessels that God puts his treasure in. And so we give him all the glory. We get to be part of his story. So what I'd love us to do today as we finish is to um, pray. I'd love to pray for people. And I know this takes vulnerability, but this is a safe place. I'd love to pray for us, to pray for each other, but to pray for people where reading the Bible has been a struggle and beyond just like a struggle, but like you felt like it has been a disproportionate battle to what it should be, where you felt like it's been so hard to get into that book. It's such a big battle. Distractions, busyness, time, just not making sense, all of that. If that's you, can, do you mind, I know it takes some courage, but let's get some breakthrough here this morning, and it starts with some courage. Saddle up. If that's you, would you want to put up your hand nice and high, and then we would love to pray for you. In fact, 